You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. went backwards. It's in 2 Kings 20 verses 8 through 11. A beautiful sign. This was a sign that the Lord gave to Hezekiah. But sadly, Hezekiah didn't receive this miracle with gratitude that he should have. But yet when he humbled himself for the pride of his heart, that judgment that God had placed on the nation was reserved for a while. Once again, the nation has a reprieve. This should tell us something how long suffering of God God is tremendously long-suffering. Most of us have an experience of being in a dark time in our life. We try our hardest to pull ourselves out of its clutches, but often we can't find a way out. Today, Pastor Dave explains that the only way to break free from darkness is to follow Jesus. If you rely on yourself to get out, you'll never find the serenity that you're looking for. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 32 as he continues his message, Just When You Thought It Was Safe. For there are more with us than with him. We have more power than they have. And does anyone know who he's quoting here? If you remember correctly, back in 2 Kings 6, in 2 Kings 6, when Elijah or Elisha, remember they were being attacked and, 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 and they were blinded. And, and they were blinded. And in verse 16, it says, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are get with them. And Elisha prayed, and the Lord would open their eyes. And when they opened their eyes, they saw this huge army behind them. And they turned around and ran. So he's saying the same thing. Don't worry about it. The Lord's got this. Con- I, I love this guy. This is really good. This guy, this, I, I think this is really cool. I loved it. For if the Lord is with our God, he's here. Now, you know, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be standing for us, who can be against us? What can man do to us? Nothing. If God be for us, who can be against us? I, I just love this. I just really, really like this time. Where, and and he's he telling them, and he's giving them hope. He knew they were vastly outnumbered. He knew that they were just outnumbered to the hilt. And he knew that in the, of their own strength, they had no way they were going to defeat this huge army. But he knew also that God was with them. And God was going to do something mighty. Something mighty. So, Shennacherib sends this propaganda campaign. He's going to talk the people of Judah to try to come against the king. He's going to try to win them over. So, Let's read verses 9 through 19. After this, Shennacherib, king of Assyria, sent his servants to Jerusalem, but all the forces with him laid siege against Lachish, to Hezekiah, king of Judah, and to all Judah who were in Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Shennacherib, king of Assyria, In what do you trust, that you remain under siege in Jerusalem? 
Does not Hezekiah persuade you to give yourselves over to die by famine and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God will deliver us from the land, from the hand of the king of Assyria? Has not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, You, you shall worship before one altar and burn incense on it? Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the people of other lands? Where the gods of the nations of those lands were in, were the gods of the nations of those lands in any way able to deliver their hand, their lands out of my hand? Who was there among all the gods of those nations and my fathers utterly destroyed that could deliver his people from my hand? That your God should be able to deliver you from my hand? Now, therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or persuade you like this. And do not believe him, for no god of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people from my hand or the hand of my fathers. How much less your God deliver you from my hand. Ooh, Hezi. Wow. Man, we'll get to this in a minute. Furthermore. His servant spoke against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. He also wrote letters to revile the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of other nations or other lands have not delivered their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not deliver his people from my hand. Then they called out with a loud voice in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten them and trouble them that they might take the city. And they spoke against God of Jerusalem, against the gods of the people of the earth, and the work of men's hands. Wow. That's incredible. Sennacherib sends his guys, his servants. He sends them there. The bulk of his army is staying at Lachish. Sennacherib sends some men to Jerusalem to prepare the siege. This was psychological warfare. He was trying to blow their minds with what he said. And the thing about it was... What he said was true. No other nation was able to stand up against him. No other nation was able to come against him. He conquered everybody he came against and more. So what he was saying was true. It's interesting. Now, Lachish, historically, is 30 miles southwest of Jerusalem. And it's interesting, it's interesting that archaeologists have discovered a pit there with the remains of about 1,500 casualties from Shennacherib's attack. That's pretty cool. I like that. He says, and who do you trust that you remain under siege? Now, remember in 2 Kings verse chapter 18, these servants who we're talking about here in 2 Chronicles had names. They're the three amigos. Do you remember them? These guys came in. I love them. One guy's name was Tartan. The other guy's name was Rabsaris. And the other guy's name was Rabshika. They were the three amigos. Remember, they came in and they were doing all this stuff according to according to uh, Second Kings. They tried to shake the trust of Hezekiah. They tried to tell the people, you're trusting in the wrong God. You're trusting in the Lord. Satan loves to shake our trust in God. Shake, Satan loves to shake our trust in God. Has he changed one iota from the very first time he slithered up to Eve and said, has God really said you would die? He loves to shake our trust in God. He loves to put doubt in our mind to think that God is not able to do what God wants to do at all according to his purpose. And this has been his plan. And you know what? It's an old plan, but by golly, it still works. <laughs> it still works. 
has God said? He gets you to distrust God's word. He gets you to look at this. And it's happening now. We've talked about this. It's happening right now. People look and go, well, you know what? They've been talking about the rapture now for centuries, and it hasn't happened. Come on. When are we going to get off this kick? When are we going to find something else to do? All these prophecies, they're old hat. They all took place before. There's nothing new here. Come on. See, they're getting you to question God's word. They're getting you to think God's word's not true. They're getting you to say, well, there's something wrong with God's word, and then your head begins to get messed up. And you get to go down the wrong path. Now we read in 2 Kings that Hezekiah did make a misstep. He made a little bit of a misstep. and He didn't trust in the Lord when he was mocked by the Assyrians. Instead, he tried to make an alliance with Egypt. He tried to make a small alliance with Egypt. Now please tell me, what does Egypt represent in Scripture? Sin and the world. It represents sin in the world. It represents sin in the world. Bondage. Yes, bondage. And it was a great temptation for Hezekiah during this time to make them. He wanted to get more people to help him. He wanted to get more guys to come in and help him. But the Lord wanted Judah to trust in him and not Israel, and not Egypt. I love the fact he calls his name. Wasn't it his Hezekiah? And then he tries to get the people against the leader. This is one of his good tricks. He uses this perfectly. He uses it in every single church I've ever been in. I've seen it many, many times. He tries to get the people against the leader. And he tries to tear down the leader through other people, you know? And they start to talk. He did this. Well, yeah, well, he did this. Well, yeah, well, he did this. And all of a sudden, you have a group of people who are coming against the leader. And it happens all the time. Satan rubs a little nastiness in there, and you get your feelings hurt or something like that. And all of a sudden, the leader's no good. He's got to go. And they're doing the same thing here. He's saying... Wait a minute. You guys used to worship any place you wanted to worship. You could go out and worship in the high places. You could do this. You could do that. But that Hezekiah, he tore those places down. He tore all that stuff down. And now you can't do that anymore. Now you got to go all the way to Jerusalem and you got to go to the temple to worship. Hmm. Doesn't that make you mad? And you can see someone going, yeah, that makes me mad. I don't like that guy. This is how it starts. And this is what happens. And this is what happens, and it starts to fester, and then it starts to grow. And then all of a sudden, you feel an earthquake, and the church gets divided. The church gets divided because you have this camp over here and this camp over here. I've seen it happen too many times, folks. It happens with a very, very subtle, subtle suggestion, a very subtle comment. And then all of a sudden, boom, it starts to go. And, you know, if I'm disgruntled, if I'm disgruntled about something, the first thing I want to do is get somebody on my side. I want somebody that I can commiserate to. Boy, that pastor. Yeah, I want to have a commiserating partner. I want to have somebody who I can talk to. You know, what about that guy over there? Yeah, let's go get him. And you start this, and it builds and builds and builds. This is what Satan does. He gets us to look at these things. In their thinking, Hezekiah reformed, not only displeased the people, But they're saying it displeased God. They're saying that the reforms that Hezekiah did actually displeased God, which was a total lie. It couldn't be even further from the truth. Look, all the places that you used to be where worship God of Israel, now Hezekiah, he tore them all down. See, the enemy of our soul has an amazing way of discouraging our disobedience. If Hezekiah was not careful, his argument of the Assyrian would start to make sense when it really was demonic logic through and through. 
We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, gang. We don't wrestle that way. Satan gets in here. He comes in as an angel of light. He'll come in as a sheep, but he'll be a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. He'll come in, and he starts his little things, and he starts his little stuff. It happens. Don't you know that all the land that your fathers, I wiped them out. The Assyrian's speech was intended to destroy their trust in God by destroying their trust in a man that God had placed there. They wanted to destroy their trust in God. For anyone who had a spiritual understanding could see this. Judah could have started planning a victory party right then when the Assyrian wrote so to God of Hezekiah, and he said he will not deliver his people. And when I was reading this, I was thinking of all the things Goliath said about God to David that really made David mad. <laughs> it really got David's dander up, you know, to, to, to the point where he called him an uncircumcised Philistine. He really, it was, read that part. That's a great part. So it's one thing against, to speak against Judah, and it's one thing to speak against the leaders. But when you mock God, when you, you, you cross a line, when you start to mock God, and when you count him as just another God, this is also a major problem that's sneaking into the churches. All God, we're, we all worship the same God. Really? You worship the God of the Bible? Well, no, no, no. Well, then you're not worshiping my God. But we all worship the same God. No, we don't. But see how that creeps in? And people buy into that. People buy into that. Hezekiah smartly prays. Look at verse 20 and 23. Now, because the king Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried out to heaven. See, Hezekiah is smart enough not to go into the closet and pray by himself. He needs help. So he goes to Isaiah. Isaiah is the prophet, and he's the contemporary here, and he goes into the prayer closet with him. And what happens? Then the Lord sent an angel to cut down every mighty man of valor, leader and captain in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned shamefaced to his own land, and when he had gone into the temple of his God, some of his own offspring struck him down with a sword there. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Shennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of the others, and guided them on every side. And many brought gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all the nations and other leaders. And we know according to what happens here. We look at this. We learn that this is a very powerful prayer. And it, it, you can read it in 2 Kings 19, if you'd like. In fact, maybe we should. In 2 Kings 19, verses 1 through 5, and it was when King Hezekiah heard it that he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went to the house of the Lord. Then he sent Elikim, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priests covered sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is the day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy, for the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all your prayers of the Rabshikeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living king, and will rebuke the words of the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, Lift up your prayer for the remnant that is. And then Isaiah goes and he prays. And he prays mightily. And you can read it all through the next, the rest of the chapter. He prays and, and he brings assurance that God has heard the prayer. And what happens? 
Well, we read about it when we studied 2 Kings. In 2 Kings 19, verse 35, one angel went out one night, went through the camp, and killed 185,000 Assyrians. One angel. So when Hezekiah said, those that are with us are more than those that are out there, did they turn around and see one angel standing there? (laughs) Can you imagine what two angels could do? Oh my goodness. One angel went out and destroyed him because he mocked God. He came against God. And that was the answer to Hezekiah's prayer. That was the answer. Hosea made the same prediction, yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah, will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor battle, nor by horses or horsemen. Sennacherib returns to his own land where his own people kill him. His own people kill him, and they move on. They move on. In verse 24, In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death, and he prayed to the Lord, and he spoke to him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore, wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah humbled himself before the pride of his heart, and he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah. So once again, you see a small slip. Pride is lifted up. After this great, great victory, once again, heads swell. Once again, he gets lifted up. Pride of the heart, he gets lifted up. And he has to go back and he has to repent. He has to come and he has to get to the Lord. Judah had not been delivered into the hand of the Assyrian. He was sick and near death. We're not told how he became sick or why. But it may have been through something obvious to all, or it may have been through something only known by God. However, he became sick. It certainly was permitted by God. He said, he spoke to him and he said, give me a sign. And the sign you can read about is an incredible read, is where the sundial went backwards. Where the sun went backwards. It's in 2 Kings 20, verses 8 through 11. A beautiful sign. This was a sign that the Lord gave to Hezekiah. But sadly, Hezekiah didn't receive this miracle with gratitude that he should have. But yet when he humbled himself for the pride of his heart, that judgment that God had placed on the nation was reserved for a while. Once again, the nation has a reprieve. This should tell us something how long-suffering of God. God is tremendously long-suffering. Tremendously long-suffering. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Let's finish out. Hezekiah had very great riches and honor. He made himself treasuries for silver and for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, and for all kinds of desirable items, storehouses of harvest of grain, wine, and oil, stalls of all kinds of livestock and folds and flocks. Moreover, he provided for himself possessions of flocks and herds in abundance for God and gave him very much 
property. The same Hezekiah also stopped the water outlet in Upper Gion and brought water by tunnel to the west side of the city of David. Hezekiah prospered in all his works. However, regarding the ambassadors, the princes of Babylon, who they sent to him to inquire about the wonder that had been done in the land, God withdrew from him in order to test him that he might not know, might, that he might know what was in his heart. So Hezekiah is still on the move here. He's still doing great things, and he's still doing a wonder. And this, this, this water outlet is known as Hezekiah's Tunnel, and it's still there. It is still there. And if you go to Israel with us in Halloween, this coming Halloween, you can walk through this tunnel. You can actually walk through this tunnel, and there's two passages. Two passage, I think the cookies are done. There's two passages through, through the tunnel, one without water, and one with water. And you can go through Hezekiah's tunnel. And those that went through Hezekiah's tunnel with water said that it got real, real narrow and the water came up to here. But they got through. I cheated and took the path with no water. <laughs> I took the other path. But it all leads to the same place. Do you know where it leads? It leads to the pool of Siloam. It leads to the pool of Siloam in the city of David. You remember the pool of Siloam, which is where they got the water for the Feast of Tabernacles and carried it to the temple? But you can see all that with us in Israel. Another little shameless plug for Israel. That's okay. Now, the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his goodness, indeed, they are written in the vision of Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, and in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. So Hezekiah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the upper tombs of the sons of David. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem honored him at his death. Then Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. And as we studied 2 Kings, we find out that one of the things the Lord told Hezekiah when he was sick was that he was going to die. And he was going to die soon. Hezekiah cried out to the Lord, prayed to the Lord with all his heart. The Lord relented and gave him 15 more years. During those 15 years, the son Manasseh was born. This is the Manasseh that will now take the reign of Judah. And look at the first five. Well, you go, when we start going through that, he is probably the most wicked king in Judah. And because of his wickedness, God does not relent. Because of his wickedness, they will be carried away. Now, there will be a couple kings after him, but it's the wickedness of Manasseh that gets them to be carried away. And many of the scholars says, had Hezekiah obeyed God and had gone to be with the Lord when the Lord told him he would die, Manasseh would have never been born. That's what the theory is. But God had a plan, and we, we trust God's sovereignty, what we talked about before. But now Manasseh is an evil dude. He is one evil character. All you got to do is read the first part of chapter 33, and he is really, really evil. But he does repent at the end. He does repent at the end of his reign, but after he leads Judah into quite the tailspin. So, so we say goodbye to Hezekiah, a great king, next probably as great right around David's area. You know, David was the greatest king. Hezekiah is up there. 
He's right up there with the kings of Judah. You are Second Chronicles is the ongoing account of the kings of Israel and then Judah. Here on Assure Hope, Pastor Dave has been teaching through this book, giving you a good awareness of the things that happened during this time. He started with King Solomon's reign, and you quickly see how when things are managed by mere men, it starts to devolve into selfish wants and desires. This is the way of the world, isn't it? But in contrast to that, you get a glimpse into a few kings who really sought after the Lord and tried to honor him with their kingly reign. Being human, there's always that tension between what you want and how it gives you that esteem versus doing what honors God and gives him glory. It can be easy to look at some of the examples of these kings and quickly start to look down on them. But if you were faced with that same culture and situations, would you do any differently? To know that a few of these men stood up against the crowd is striking. They decided to be countercultural and chose to honor God above all. Wouldn't it be great for God to say the same about you? We're so glad you decided to join us today. This series in the book of 2 Chronicles is one that you'll want to keep tuning into. One teaching connects to the next and helps give you the context of the book as a whole. If you'd like to hear today's message again or you missed one and want to go back to it, head over to assurehoperadio.com. We're out of time for today, but we're excited for you to join us again. Never forget that because of God, you have a sure hope.